Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. It's the Buck Blue Show here. Lots of Mason filling in for Buck the rest what? of the week. Yeah. A little uh, same show, different person making this thing go for the next hour. Buck uh, enjoying some time off this time of year. And if I know Buck uh, well, he's probably on the golf course, Ernie. Don't you agree? Uh, I would say so, but I think I saw him on Twitter say with the rain and the coldness, he wasn't able to make it out there. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, Buck, anytime he gets a little time off, man, you can catch him at the golf course, and rightfully so. 10 o'clock hour on the Buck Blue Show brought to you by the Hog Haug Law Group. We will uh, talk to Mort, we think. We've got some last-minute information that Mort is at a doctor's appointment. So we do have a backup plan at 1020. It's always good to have a uh, backup plan if Mort doesn't join us. Uh, we will take some time to talk about why everyone seems to think Georgia and Georgia's problem is exclusively a quarterback problem. And I want to get y'all's opinion on this. So we'll have uh, we'll take some calls on that around ten twenty if Mort doesn't join us. Either way, I want to get to that because you know, everybody I talk to, uh, the coffee shop, uh, the grocery store, certainly we spend a lot of time at the locker room talking about it. Seems like um, it's just harping over and over and over that uh, Stetson lost them the game. So I want to get some calls on that, get everybody's opinion, and um, let's have a good conversation about that as well. The headlines here on the Buck Blue Show brought to you by the Grease Monkey. Georgia got some good news yesterday as they had five players make the all-SEC first team. N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, Brock Bowers, Devontae Wyatt, and Jake Camarda. Shout out to those guys on an incredible season. They had a couple more guys like Justin Schaefer, Jamari Sawyer, and a, and a handful of other guys make the uh, second team. But that's brought to you by Grease Monkey. Oil changes and more done fast, done right. Visit GreaseMonkeyAuto.com for store locations and special offers. Uh, I want to spend the next couple minutes talking about the, the Heisman and specifically how I think one guy got got robbed in Buck's big take here. Uh, and that's, Let's get to the big take. Yeah. Buck's big take. Will Anderson Jr., uh, outside linebacker, DN, hybrid at Alabama, had an uh, incredible season for Alabama this year. And Monday, the Heisman finalists were, uh, were revealed. And one of the things that quickly caught my attention was how Will Anderson Jr. was not among the four finalists uh, for the award. You have C.J. Stroud at uh, Ohio State. You have Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. You have Hutchinson, the great pass rusher that the dogs will see here in a couple weeks uh, from Michigan. And Will Anderson Jr., though, who had an incredible year, was left off the list. And I got to tell you, Nerney, I was not only shocked, but I was a bit agitated because I think the past couple years in general, we've seen guys uh, left off the Heisman final, finalist list that are non-quarterbacks, that are non you know, skill position players that I thought rightfully so deserved to be at the bare minimum in New York City for Heisman contention. And so I had to do a little research for myself and remind myself, or let me say get educated myself on what the, the Heisman mission statement is, which 
per their website, recognizes the most outstanding college football player. And the fact that Will Anderson was left off this year, I don't know if it's an example from voters, another example of Alabama fatigue. I don't know if it is because for people that don't know, you've got over 900 voters. Uh, and most of them are media members, and they are regionalized, right? So you've got a section of voters in the South and the West. And I don't know if maybe the group of voters on the West Coast or in the Northwest didn't watch a lot of Alabama games this year. Maybe it's recency bias. And and Hutchinson's performance against Ohio State late in the season, which was a terrific one, stuck in the minds of Heisman voters more so than Will Anderson. But here's Will Anderson's, not only his production and his numbers compared to Hutchinson, but I'll also compare it to the last time a defensive player was in New York City and the last time a defensive player, a la Chase Young in 2019, he was pretty good if I remember, uh, was named a finalist. Here's Anderson's numbers this year compared to Hutchinson. Will Anderson, 92 tackles. Hutchinson, 55. Will Anderson, 32 and a half tackles for loss, which by the way led the country. Hutchinson, 15 tackles for loss. Sacks for Will Anderson, he had 15 and a half. This was the one uh, kind of major statistical category that Hutchinson won up them. Uh, or excuse me, Will Anderson had more sacks than him, 15 and a half. Uh, Hutchinson, 13 and a half. Chase Young, okay? The last, we know how great Chase Young was. The last time a defensive player to be named a finalist, 2019 Chase Young. 46 tackles. Remember, Will Anderson had 92. 21 tackles for loss. Let me remind you, Will Anderson had 32 and a half. And Chase Young had 16 and a half sacks in 2019, which was a sack more than Will Anderson this year. And so I think, in my opinion, what part of the problem is, is there's way too many Heisman voters. Uh, I think part of the problem is there's a bit of laziness. I think part of the problem is there's there's no way that all of these people are watching every single game or even you know late in the year watching the the major games uh, of these contenders, and you know I I look at Will Anderson being left out and it it made me stop and kind of pause and think about are we really getting the best the most outstanding players. Let me use that term because that's that's the term of the mission statement of of the Heisman. The most outstanding players. If I was to oversimplify it, is is Will Anderson Jr. one of the four most outstanding players in college football this year? Yeah, I believe he was. And I'm not trying to take anything away from what Hutchinson accomplished. In fact, I I would have had him there. I th- I think too like why why do we narrow it down or why do they narrow it down to I don't know, only three or four players for the longest time. There was only three players in New York City. Uh, This year, there'll be four. We've seen before in in memory, Joe Ham talked about it this morning, uh, his year where he was up for the Heisman. They had five, five finalists. I don't know why it's limited to a certain amount of numbers. And and I'm not saying that Will Anderson, I think, would win it because I still think with Bryce Young's performance last week, even dating back to the Iron Bowl in the second half, what he did, Remember, he lost one of his best receivers, Jamison Williams. Didn't even have him in the second half because he was out for targeting. What what Bryce Young did, the second half in the Iron Bowl, combined with what he did against Georgia's great defense in the SEC championship game, uh, will ultimately get him the Heisman Trophy. But I look at the fact that Will Anderson, not even, not even, not even an invite, uh, not even, not even invited to New York City. It, I think part of the problem too is. 
it's easy to quantify statistics for quarterbacks. It is easy to take quarterbacks' numbers, receivers' numbers, and quantify their impact. I think that's the challenge, too, with why you'll never see a linebacker win it. Um, you'll never see you know, a, a DB, a, a guy like Charles Woodson, probably never win it again uh, is because it is hard to quantify statistically a player's impact outside of a quarterback, outside of a receiver, outside of a running back, and that's the main reason why it's become a heavy offensive an award and even more than that, a heavy quarterback award. But 32.5 tackles for loss for Will Anderson this year that led the country. Uh, I'm a former quarterback myself. I'm not taking anything away from what uh, Kenny Pickett accomplished this year. Look, when you break Dan Marino's school record for, for touchdown passes in a single year, that's a, you know you had a really good, spectacular season. Um, but I think part of the problem is we do not know how to quantify uh, tackles for loss. We don't know how to necessarily – uh, quantify sacks. We don't know how to take an impact on a, a guy's impact on the defensive side of the ball. And maybe probably, like I said, maybe part of it is, is recency bias as well. Oh, by the way, Will Anderson's 15 and a half sacks this year, Nerney, 10 of them came against teams with, with uh, winning records. So he wasn't doing it uh, against a bunch of sisters of the poor. Okay. So a couple of things here. First off, I'm terribly uncomfortable with this conversation here because as an Atlanta Falcons fan, <laughs> I feel like our job in the city of Atlanta is to talk down Will Anderson as much as we possibly can. I am so ex- his drafts. I, I, yeah, exactly. I see where I'm you're going stoked with that. that yeah. He's not going to New York. Okay. I need him to slide right there in mid, uh, mid first round so we can pick him up on another three, four outside backer roll. A um, couple things working against him. Uh, number one thing, he plays defense. The fact that we have one player going up to New York to represent the defensive side of the ball in Hutchinson from Michigan is a, is almost a miracle. Like you said, you mentioned Chase Young, but it doesn't happen very often to get a defensive player up there to begin with. Uh, and to have two of them at the same time, I look at it like baby steps. Okay, This year we got the defensive end up there. Maybe next year they move two defensive guys up there and we balance it out a little bit more. I don't know if they're going to put two defensive guys on the same uh, stage at the same time. Also working against them, Bryce Young's already up there. You got Alabama represented up there already. That's where your Alabama fatigue. Yeah, but wasn't there two Alabama players last year? Yeah, Devontae Smith and Mac Jones. Yeah, and maybe that's why they're looking to to, to branch out and go get somebody from another school uh, in Michigan. Now, I'm not saying Hutchinson doesn't d- deserve to be up there, but I just think that you know, taking the fact that you already got a defensive guy up there, you already got an Alabama guy up there, you know, maybe they just uh, went somewhere else with Will Anderson. But like I said, you know, Will Anderson, you know, the the, the tackles for a loss amazing stat for guys like you and me people that you know played football really watched the game of football because that means he's a three down guy yeah it tells you he's just not rushing the quarterback exactly I mean, it's not... one thing to have 15 and a half sacks right but it's another thing to if you're getting 32 and a half tackles for loss you're not taking any plays off well and go back to Vic Beasley at Clemson okay a lot of sacks at Clemson okay he finished his senior year with I think 14 and a half 15 sacks mm-hmm. as, as a senior the problem was he had like 28 total tackles that wow. entire season did not play the run at all so that number tackle for loss while it may not be sexy for you know the novice the layman uh, football watcher out there guys like you and me who see that 32 number it's like okay this guy is an outstanding football player Anderson almost doubled Hutchinson in every major you know, I'm call, I'm looking at tackles, TFLs, and sacks. Those three statistics. Anderson almost doubled him in two of the major ones: tackles and TFLs. Ninety-two tackles, thirty-two and a half tackles for loss. And oh, one more uh, point to Will Anderson. He won the Nagurs- the, uh, the the Nagurski. Try to say that three times fast. The Nagurski Award, which is given to the best defensive player in college football. 
So chew on that logic for a second. And, and the different voters, I get it. There, there probably isn't. I don't know how much carryover there is from the who votes for that award compared to the Heisman. But the logic is, is that you're good enough to be the best defensive player. People look at you as the best defensive player in college football, but they don't look at you as one of the four most outstanding players in college football. To me, <laughs> I mean, if you're – if you're looked at as one of the the best defensive player, if you're looked at as best defensive player in college football, shouldn't you at bare minimum be looked at as one of the top four, top five overall players in college football? So, and and by the way, the guy that we do think will win it, we all expect it to, Bryce Young. I didn't realize this too, Nerney. He will be the first Alabama quarterback to win the Heisman. Like when I think Alabama, I think, you know, Mac Jones, I'm thinking of uh, Tua, all these guys were there. They didn't win it. I, did, I took a second glance on that. He'll be the first Alabama quarterback to win the Heisman. He had 46 touchdowns this season, three rushing, only four interceptions. First year starting. I mean, what Alabama continues to do with their receivers and their quarterbacks is, bar none, one of the most impressive things in modern college football to Nick Saban. Not only, and I said this on the locker room, not only does he take a quarterback in his first year, he, I'm talking about Nick Saban, in his first year and win him the Heisman, but he's doing it with a new offensive coordinator. He's doing it with a new system. He's doing it with new coaches around. They had mass exodus last year all around the offensive side of the ball and the coaching staff. And yet all Nick Saban does is turn around again and, and uh, produce an offense and coach up an offense and recruit an offense that uh, their, their freshman quarterback, first year starting, gets 46 touchdowns and um, you know had, a, had an outstanding performance against what we think is a historically great Georgia defense uh, last week. Coming up next, let's uh, let's turn the attention to Georgia. I've had a lot of conversation about um, with Georgia fans about what the problem was Saturday in the SEC championship game and what Coach Smart will do at the quarterback spot moving forward. I want to know why everyone seems to think Georgia's problem is exclusively a quarterback problem. Plus, we'll get to a college football nugget and talk about the Bro- uh, the Broyles Award. Let's get to that college football nugget. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, the Broyles Award. Uh, the guy who won it, the coach who won it, SEC ties. We'll talk about that next. This is the Buck Blue Show on The Fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. The Fan. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. show here on the fan 680 and 93.7 fm hudson mason filling in for buck out on vacation the rest of the week so you're stuck with me nerney the whole gang here as usual we'll get to a college football nugget coming up in 10 minutes a couple different things that we'll hit on a lot of change down in baton rouge and plus the broils award which goes to the best assistant in college football well that person that coach has some sec ties we'll get to that 
And uh, Georgia Tech announcing some uh, some new coaching changes yesterday. Plus, they broke out the wallet. Uh, they brought out the wallet for uh, for Chip uh, Chip Long, new offense coordinator and quarterbacks coach. We'll get all we'll get to that uh, in just a second. Moore's not going to join us today, so we're going to go here. And I, I don't want to get uh, Georgia fans' uh, opinions on this, so feel free to call in four zero four two three one one six eighty. I want to kind of just get a feel for. If you think that Georgia's problem is specifically and exclusively a quarterback problem, because I'm not going to say everybody and be hyperbolic, uh, but most Georgia fans that I talk to, whether it be at the gym yesterday or, you know, I read on social media or, you know, that we talk to in the locker room every morning here on the fan, I would say that most Georgia fans after Saturday. Uh, look at Georgia's offense, they look at Georgia as a team, and they see a team that has exclusively a quarterback problem. And I, I, there's been a bit of a reluctancy this year, it seems like, for the fan base to wrap their arms around Stetson Bennett. And I just want to figure out, I want to kind of get in the heads of Georgia fans and feel like, why is it that everybody seems to think it's exclusively a quarterback problem? Do you even think it's exclusively a quarterback problem? Uh, do you think, and why do you think Georgia fans have been so strongly opposed to him being their quarterback this year? And before we take some calls on it, I'll give you my opinion as to why. I, I think the the main reason why is that because he is a walk-on. And in a room and in a program where you're surrounded by a ton of four-star and five-star guys, specifically at the quarterback position, uh, the optics of a undersized walk-on quarterback winning the job doesn't sit well with a lot of fans. And Stetson has played remarkably this year. I've said it several times. I, I mean, he's gotten so much better. I think he's a more confident deep ball thrower specifically. And usually those things happen in year two uh, in a system. And there's a part of me, Nerney, that feels a, a little bad for, for Stetson because I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, after the Georgia game, I don't think he said this in the media, but he did say, I read it this week, that he knows that Georgia fans don't want him to be the starting quarterback. And when I read that, I'm like, holy cow, like this is a guy who has a flip phone, right? Like he's like Andrew Luck. He, he's not on Twitter. He's not on social media. Like I, you know, he, I don't know where he gets his, his, uh, his information or where he kind of gets the pulse of, of the fan base from. Um, but he clearly even knows that, the majority of the fan base wants to see JT Daniels, wants to see Carson Beck, wants to see, and specifically after Saturday. And, and I looked at, and I watched the game like everybody else Saturday. I went back and watched the coach's copy. Uh, and did Stetson play perfect? No. I mean, the two interceptions were on him. Uh, but I think he also played much better than people are giving him credit for. Um, and with as great of a defense as we have had this year, I will tell you, I was far more shocked at the lack of pass rush. I was far more shocked at the bust in the secondary. Uh, I was far more shocked that, that Bryce Young came in and set an SEC championship game record for, for most yards passing uh, than I was uh, the overall performance of Stetson. And so I think that part of the reason the main focus of this conversation has been exclusively about the quarterback is because there are multiple four star and five. If that's if that if that tag next to him, and I get he's you know scholarship now, 
you know, I, I get his scholarship now, but he was brought in as a walk-on. Brought in as a walk-on, leaves, goes to JUCO, comes back as scholarship. But in reality, like, he wasn't recruited to be a scholarship guy. So that's what I mean when I say walk-on. But I think that is that is mainly what sits under the crawl of Georgia fans about uh, about Stetson Bennett. And it exclusively, anytime you talked about it. I went to the gym yesterday. A uh, guy I see at the gym almost every day, Nerdy. First thing that he said was, if Kirby Smart continues to start Stetson Bennett, we're never going to win. In a ch- I'm not going to. I think his, his phrase was, I'm not going to Indianapolis. He's already bought tickets. And, and, and so, it's not Cellini, though. It was not you Cellini. Say, you say you no, saw no, no, no. the gym every day. Yes. So no, it, it, was not a, it was not Cellini. But, like, I'm listening, right? I mean, like, I'm listening to when I see somebody wherever I'm at. The first thing that they bring up predominantly is the quarterback position. And I'm just going, like, Man, did you did you see the defensive side of the ball? Did you did you see the bust in the secondary? And I think Kirby sees that the same way. That's why I think Stetson is going to be the quarterback moving forward because Coach Smart looks at it as, well, you know, Stetson didn't give up bust in the secondary. Stetson wasn't the guy that didn't fumble, fall on the ball uh, right there before the half. You know, Stetson wasn't the nickel Sam Pool number thirty one who on on third and ten busted or on that dig route over the middle busted. And so I think for those reasons, he's looking at it and going, we got to play better around him. 404-231-1680. Let's take some calls uh, from some Georgia fans. Do you feel uh, that Georgia's problem right now is exclusively a quarterback problem? Let's go out to B-Rock. B-Rock, you're on the Buck, uh, Buck Blue Show. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Can you hear me? I got you. Um, my problem with what's going on right here now with the Bulldogs, and I'm one of the biggest Georgia I believe Stenson is the man. Stenson is the man. No, I do not. But the problem is not his issue. The problem is the University of Georgia and the quarterbacks that they have used over history. And what Nick Saban is doing over in Alabama is Nick Saban is willing to take the initiative to use whatever he has in front as far as his offensive line. And you can go all the way back and see using Tua against Hurst, Hurst against Tua, the new type quarterback. And we don't have that at Georgia. Even if you take uh, Bennett off of the, out of the quarterback position, you still have on the bench the same type quarterback. The mishandling of Justin Fields is going to hurt Kirby and his recruiting down the line. And I don't think Nick Saban or any other college co- uh, college coach would have changed quarterbacks at the halftime because sometimes you just have to shock the system. Now, you can go all the way back, even with yourself. Uh, Georgia has the tendency to have quarterbacks that stand in the pocket. We will never win a national championship until we change that Appreciate the call, B-Rock. Trust me, my wife tells me too. I'm a statue in the pocket. So you're not the, not the only one. You won't be the last one. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but to, to B-Rock's point, um, and I've heard this too, that Kirby should have made a change at halftime. And, and they brought up the Alabama comparisons with Jalen Hurts and, and, and Tua. To me, it's uncomparable. Like, you can't compare those decisions at halftime because, number one, when, when Nick went to Tua, Jalen was playing terrible football in the first half of that Georgia-Alabama game. 
you can't compare the first half of Jalen's performance uh, that year. What was that, 2017, if my memory serves me correctly, and Stetson's first half performance. Uncomparable. Stetson was Stetson had a very good first half. Number two, when when Nick made that that change in the in the national championship game, Tua was hurt. Remember, so that's why he had to make a change. Stetson wasn't hurt. So I don't personally believe that those are apples-to-apples apples comparisons. 404-231-1680, let's go out to Joe. Joe, you're on the Buck Blue Show. What's up, man? Hey, good morning. So uh, considering what your previous caller said, and that's not the main point I want to make, uh, Kobe's recruiting quarterbacks to the highest level in the country. You got Brad Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton just waiting to play in the next two, three years. Mm-hmm. Number one, my main point is this. What's our biggest problem? I love JT Daniels, but the biggest problem is is putting JT in there meant that we would have had a non-mobile quarterback when our problem was blocking their defense. My point is this. We did not, the coaches did not adjust their offensive game plan at halftime to account for the six to seven guys Bama was bringing on defense, and our blocking scheme did not work because we didn't have enough guys sitting back. We don't need to send out five guys on every pass play. Let's send out two or three at the most, and let's block and give Stetson a chance to throw the ball. I look forward to your comment on that, Hudson. Yeah, appreciate the call, Joe. Um, you know, I thought the I thought the second half. You're talking about adjustments. I thought the second half was much better than the first half defensively. I thought they made some good adjustments. The thing that stuck out to me, and I think probably uh, the biggest revelation to me, the most shocking revelation after that game was just the lack of pass rush that we were able to get. And, and I guess that's what I'm tying this conversation back into because uh, the original question that I had is why is it that everybody seems to think it's exclusively a quarterback problem for Georgia right now? Because if, you're, if your defense is as historically great as what we think it is, should they have given up 41 points? Shouldn't they have been able to slow down what we, what we thought was is a Alabama offense that is certainly not what they were last year. I just don't hear enough of the conversation, enough of the the onus, the responsibility being put on the defensive side of the ball. The, the defensive line, I thought was, to put nicely, was very bad. Um, I mean, when they brought five, they couldn't win one-on-one pa- pass rush. I don't know if you guys saw the clip where uh, Bryce, uh, I think it was the second touchdown pass, where he points to the receiver in the corner. He had so much time in the pocket, he was able to point to his receiver and tell him, hey, you go there. There's no pass rush on that. I mean, Jordan Davis, great season, phenomenal player. I don't know if he was tired, but his feet just completely stopped moving. So uh, I I don't think that the defense has been held to the same standard, or not the same standard, but I don't think the defense has been getting enough of of the blame or been held enough of with the responsibility for for Saturday's performance. And and hear me out. I'm not I'm not giving Stetson an alibi, but I just uh, his performance on Saturday wasn't as bad as as everybody, in my opinion, is is making out. The problem is, is when you get from when you get ten down, twelve, fourteen down right now, this offense uh, is not built to throw it, and they have a hard time because they don't necessarily have a third gear offensively when they're from behind uh, to get back in the ball games. Let's take a call or two more. Let's go to Steve. Steve, you're on the fan on the Buck Blue Show. How you doing, man? 
Hey, Hudson. Yeah, as a quarterback, uh, you could probably, you know, give me a little bit more insight on this, but this is just my opinion. Uh, I think Saban just really game-planned uh, around Bennett. You know, they kind of uh, put seven in the box, took away the run, and when it was passing down, he dropped back into the intermediate zone and made him beat him with the intermediate throws because I don't think Stetson's got the arm strength to make the long sideline timing routes or the deep uh, shots in cover two, and especially the two picks that Stetson threw, they were all right there in zone in the intermediate routes. Yeah, appreciate the call, Steve. I mean, the uh, the interception that he threw, and I know Gary Danielson alluded to this, that one, that's a bit tough because uh, it did look like, uh, I think it was Brock on the play, slowed down just a little bit. There was a ref in the way right there too, so I don't know if if Brock, uh, if that got in his way or his vision. The second interception was was definitely on Stetson. Um and then, look, you know, I mean, on the first drive, I believe it was, he he kind of got lucky. That should have been a pick six to start the game. So I think Alabama definitely came in with a game plan of, uh, you know, if we can take away his first read or a second read, and, and like a lot of quarterbacks, when you take away their first or primary read, the more antsy they get, right? They th- That mental clock in their head is starting to go off, and their feet, is, their feet are telling them, man, this ball should be coming out. And that's when the inaccurate throws happen because your feet are getting antsy, you may not throw with your feet up underneath you. And I thought Alabama did a pretty good job for the most part taking away the first and second option. Let's go to Vaughn. Uh, Vaughn, you're on the Buck Blue Show. What's up, man? Good morning, Stetson. I, um, I half agree with you um, about your analysis as far as the game goes. It's not, it's not totally on Stetson. Um, it can never be because it's a team game, obviously. But I don't think Stetson helped them um, in the way a quarterback could. I think he hurt them more so than, um, I guess, a competent quarterback would going against a defense like a defense coach by Nick Saban, um, so to speak. Because you got to think about it. The touchdown he threw on the goal line, I mean, that's like, what, a 10, that's a 10-point swing. They lost by 17. Uh, you, you, you hit it right on the head by saying that the defense was behind didn't do jack squat because they didn't. And, and, and it makes sense as, why, as to why they didn't because Alabama was up-tempo. You know, so, I mean, it's not an excuse, but still, I mean, I would still give more more of the loss to the quarterback position. I think that Kirby should have should have made the change to JT at halftime, although it's, it's not apples, apples and apples, and apples. but he, I think he still should have made the change because Nick, like the caller before said, Nick Saban, he, he schemed for a bit, for a bit, I'm sorry. Yep, appreciate the call, Vaughn. Um, and I'm looking at some of the receiving stats for Saturday. And, um, you know, Brock Bowers, phenomenal game, right? Ten catches. Uh, He's been a stud all year. George Pickens played far more than I thought he would. Two catches for 41 yards. He had the phenomenal back shoulder catch. I think he's really going to be a weapon that you got to utilize the last, you know, game or two. But then I look at a lot of these guys that have been playing this year. Jermaine Burton, three catches. Lad McConkey, two catches. Had the touchdown screen, which was a great design. Uh, And James Cook, four receptions. Like, when I look at that in big games, Nerney, and I compare it to the way Alabama uses their receivers, uh, it's just, it's a bit frustrating because Jamison Williams had seven receptions. John Mechie had six. Slade Bolden had five. Slade Bolden averaged 10 yards a catch. I just, from what I see during the regular season with how we use our receivers is not the same when we play Alabama. And part of that is Nick Saban. But when you have, here's my thing, like you can't give, in my opinion, Nick Saban all the credit for eliminating a lot of your wide receiver weapons because there's so many guys. Like if you're going to double-team Brock Bowers, 
hypothetically. Well, then Burton some, somehow got a one-on-one. Arian Smith this should have a one-on-one. James Cook, there is way too much talent on this Georgia offense for some of these receivers to be underutilized in, in, like they are. Uh, let's take one more call. Uh, let's go to Rick. You're on the fan. Hey, Hudson. Enjoying the show. Thanks, um, man. My thing is, I mean, the defensive backs obviously had a terrible day, and I don't know if that's going to be able to be fixed if we play them again, but I hope he gets some of those freshmen in there. But my my fault with uh, Kirby is he had chances all on this year to develop uh, JT in games where we were blowing people out. And we knew there were going to come a day whenever we were going to get behind. And and Bennett is a good game manager, but he has yet to prove that he can come from behind because we have not been from behind. Mm. And and I think he has trouble reading his progressions. He sticks to his primary receiver, where JT had that that it, um, added value, and and um, Saban took away the one benefit that. Bennett brings us, and that's the flexibility of running the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to happen again if we're if we don't have the ability to find open receiver quicker. Yeah, appreciate the call, Rick. Um, you know, I I wouldn't I, I don't agree uh, with Rick's statement that Stetson Bennett is a game manager. Manager, I just don't think that you can look at his numbers and, and nuance and context should apply. I mean, the guy averaged uh, 11 yards per attempt this this regular season, and I think that was number one or number two in the SEC. At one point, he was like top five in the country. Uh, you, you know, you can't say a guy's a game manager, and, and yet he's averaging 11 yards per attempt. They don't ask him to throw it as much. If that's what you're saying, I, I don't think that that necessarily means he's a game manager. Um, but that's just kind of who Kirby's Kirby's been, and that's kind of been his philosophy is that we're going to play elite defense, and we won't ask our quarterback to have to do a whole lot. Um, and those type of that type of approach works ninety nine percent of the time, and it has worked ninety nine percent of the time. It's good enough to beat pretty much everybody in the SEC outside of Alabama. But we all know that you know Coach Smart was brought here to win a national title, uh, and the expectation is a national title. And to win a national title. Uh, he, he, They've they've got to figure out how to a play from behind or b create more explosive plays through the passing game. Appreciate the calls. Appreciate uh, a lot of uh, Georgia fans giving us a call and chiming in. We'll uh, I'll be filling in for Buck the rest of the week. So certainly more Georgia talk uh, throughout the program and throughout the week. But first, let's get to a college football nugget. Mm, tasty. Time for the College Football Nugget, presented by your locally owned and operated Ace Hardware. Find your neighborhood store at acehardware.com. All right, let's start with Sean Nerney's team first. Georgia Tech had some uh, coaching uh, announcements yesterday. They announced their new DB coach, Travaris Tillman, former safety, former player at Georgia Tech. He will coach the entire secondary. I was talking to Joe Hamilton about this this morning, Nerney, about his Uh, not only how he feels about the hire of coach Tillman, but also that he will, unlike the guy before him, he will be coaching both DBs. He'll be coaching both corners and safeties. If, if this is correct, the, the, 
the two guys before him, they had a safeties coach and they Popovich had a DBs. Popovich and Burton. Yeah. yeah. Burton, I think, did the safeties. Popovich was with the cornerbacks. How do you yeah. feel about that? Well, he'll have all the responsibility for the entire uh, secondary. Well, I'll say this. After seeing the miscommunication that I saw week in, week out in the secondary, yeah, I would prefer them do indie drills uh, as a unit and yeah. not, you know, safety. And that's all I always did. I mean, the corners and safeties, maybe your strong safety would go with the linebackers every once in a while mm-hmm. if he was more of a box guy. But, yeah, I, I think your entire secondary, when you're – as discombobulated as you were at times this year, it probably consolidate, get them all in one group. I'll give you an example, and, and I feel like this is apples-to-apples comparison. When when I had a cup of coffee uh, with Washington and when I played a little bit in the CFL, I never had this experience in college, but the more you climb the ladder or the higher you get in football, you'll experience that sometimes you have a offensive coordinator, a quarterback's coach, and a head coach if he's an offensive guy, specifically a quarterback, you'll have three different voices in your ear. In Washington, they had a quarterback coach, the OC was Sean McVay, and Gruden, the head coach, all quarterback guys. So you could get one opinion or one piece of advice from one guy telling you, hey, let's read it this way. And then the offensive coordinator may say, no, we're going to read it this way. And so to your point, if you have too many coaches, if you have too many opinions sometimes – chefs in the kitchen so to speak it can create confusion and i think for this it seems like uh i don't know if it's gonna get a better result but i would think with coach tillman coming in and and coaching the corners and safeties maybe it just simplifies things and there's less voices in these guys ears well jeff collins came out and he said that his scheme and he's a defensive coach i mean he was brought down here because you know he was a defensive minded guy and by him keeping andrew thacker our dc from last year on board i mean he said that he thinks this scheme will work now i don't know if i agree with that and that's you know, remains to be seen but basically he well, it was you know the fall guy in the situation was popovich and burton they weren't teaching indie drilling when you go to individual drills during practice and yeah. you know you're you're basically installing the defense you know what your your responsibilities are basically jeff collins is saying that at some point during those indie drills his scheme was not correctly yeah. getting taught to his players and that's what he's going to try to fix travars tillman comes from michigan state up there uh where Mel Tucker has had a really good year. And obviously uh, even Tillman coached under Kirby Smart, even as a Georgia Tech guy, he coached, I think as a graduate assistant at Georgia, cut his teeth under Kirby. Uh, and so I know Georgia Tech fans look forward to him getting back home. They also broke out the wallet for Chip Long. They announced a two-year deal for $800,000. That is more than double of uh, Coach Pat Note's salary, Nerdy. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think Cellini said it good yesterday when he just said, yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah. I'm not excited about it. I'm not, you know, crapping on the hire either. I'll give him a chance. But, you know, and a lot of people are saying, well, he had that really good year up in uh, Notre Dame. Well, then why did Chip Kelly let him leave? Yeah. Or Brian Kelly let him leave? Why didn't he retain him as offensive coordinator? Why did he end up at Tulane? Those are questions that I have. With that said, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and, you know, see if he can uh, take the weapons that we have left on the roster and do something with them. The Broyles Award was announced yesterday. That goes to the top assistant coach in college football, Josh Gaddis, offensive coordinator at Michigan. Georgia fans will uh, will see him in a couple weeks, and that Georgia defense will. He won the Abro- uh, Broyles Award, so congratulations to him. Josh is from Alabama staff, or, you know, coach under Kirby Smart at Alabama, has been up there at Michigan this year, and, Their offense this year at Michigan has been explosive all year long. They've averaged nearly five plays of 20-plus yards per game. They uh, were top 10 in a lot of major statistical offensive categories. They ranked uh, among the top 10 in college football in red zone offense, rushing offense, sacks allowed, and TFLs allowed. Some of the other coaches that were up for that, Jeff Grimes at Baylor, Jim Knowles, Oklahoma State, Dan Lanning, uh, who could be or 
could or could not be uh, moving on from Georgia. I know he's been getting some interest at some other jobs. And then uh, Warren Ruggio at Wake Forest. Did you see this, Nerney? So Miami yesterday announced uh, Mario Cristobal as their new head coach. Um, and when he was at his press conference, I guess the uh, administration told local media not to ask questions about the, quote, hiring process. <laughs> what, what do you make of that? I mean, because uh, that's not exactly uh, – Journalism 101, right? Where you're kind of manipulating the questions that are being asked no. about the hiring process. It's authoritarianism, I, I believe it is. No, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not surprised. I'm sure it happens more often than not. I'm saying if I'm a journalist in the uh, in the room getting ready for my questions, I would say probably, you know, at least 40% of them have to do with what the hell were you guys, you know, yeah. how, how this whole process played out, so... Yeah, I guess, you know, they're, they're in their safe space. That's what they wanted to, to get done. Well, they clearly didn't want any of the process to be exposed because it was messy and it was rugged and it was turbulent. Um, the path to get Mario Cristobal was controversial. Um, I guess the result is what they wanted. It doesn't really bother me that much. I know Manny Diaz came out and said it was completely unprofessional. But you know what? This is also the same guy who was at Temple for 17, what was it, uh, a couple weeks? Hey, 10 days, two weeks before he took the Miami job. And right after the first signing period, after these play, after he recruited these players, he left them in the, the middle of the night like the Baltimore Colts. So don't talk to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it goes through one ear and out the other when, when Manny Diaz is talking about professionalism. Yeah, and you know, listen, I, I don't really sympathize for him. I'm sure his buyout's going to be plenty. I, I do sympathize a little bit, though, with the recruits that he was out talking to. I mean, he's sitting in the living room of somebody who he's trying to get to come to University of Miami, and that kid's looking at him like, listen, I don't know if you're going to be the head coach five minutes from now. So from, from that standpoint, that the recruits, the high school kids that he was dealing with, I do sympathize, sympathize a little bit for, with those kids. A lot of turnover expected, I guess, when you have a new coach like LSU. Uh, not only on the field, but off. Max Johnson, starting quarterback this past year for LSU, has announced that he'll be leaving. He entered his name in a portal. He tweeted it out yesterday and thanked LSU fans for the couple years that he had down there in Baton Rouge. Uh, and on top of that, his brother, Jake, who is the number one tight end in the class of 2022, has also decommitted from LSU. So, a bit expected uh, when you have turnover. When you have turnover like this with coaches, you know players are, are going to leave. Probably a bit surprised by Max Johnson leaving. I think, uh, look, he's going to be able to pick and choose his his landing spot. Uh, now Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma guy in the portal. I mean, there's going to be some good quarterbacks out there for any team that's quarterback needy this year in the portal. Uh, uh, LSU also had freshman receiver Deion Smith enter the portal uh, as well. LSU now only has one scholarship quarterback left for the bowl game. I think they're playing in the in the Texas Bowl. Uh, Nussmeyer uh, will get that start and is the last scholarship quarterback. So I know LSU fans hoping he can stay healthy in that game because Lord knows where they turn to after that. Coming up next, we'll wrap up the show, but not before we get to a Bulldog roundtable, before we get out of here, and we'll hear from uh, Nick and Chris who come up next. Here on the Buck Blue, uh, the Buck Blue Show on the Fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. The fan is proud to be the official sports talk station of the dogs. And it's time for Bulldog Roundtable with Buck Baloo. 25-25-15-10. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. 
In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Bulldog Roundtable is proudly presented by Georgia's own credit union, Haug Law Group, Georgia Pack and Load, AAA, and by attorney Ken Nugent. And that's going to be the ball game. Georgia will win this ball game. Only on the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. Appreciate everybody listening today to the Buck Blue Show. Hudson Mason filling in for Buck the rest of the week. Before we get out of here, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of the guys uh, over in Athens who made the first-team All-SEC selection. Incredible performances uh, this year for N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis. Have you seen all those billboards that Jordan Davis is on? Boy, the uh, NLI stuff is uh, treating him pretty good. Devontae Wyatt and Jake Camarda punting, and then they had a handful of guys as well, like Justin Schaefer, Jamari Sawyer, who made the uh, second team all SEC as well. It'll be interesting to see when the SEC Coach of the Year Award comes out. I think it's a three-man, in my opinion, it's going to be a three-man race between Lane Kiffin, Sam Pittman, and Kirby Smart. Obviously, Kirby, uh, what he has in his back pocket is uh, the most complete, most dominant team in college football this year, uh, along with what he did on the defensive side of the ball. Sam Pittman, 8-4 and four this year for Arkansas. I mean, two years ago, they were losing to Western Kentucky at home. What he's done getting them to a bowl game, I think ESPN, I read this morning, ESPN had them as the number one toughest schedule, strength of schedule this year in college football. And he got them to eight and four. Remarkable. And then uh, Lane Kiffin winning 10 games at Ole Miss. That's uh, not too shabby as well. That'll do it for the Buck Blue Show. Want to give a shout out and a thank you to Wellstar Health System Studios, who sponsors the Buck Blue Show. I'll be in for Buck the rest of the week, 10 to 11 here on The Fan. Nick and Chris coming up next. Make it a great one, everybody. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. So, Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand. Was it something I said? Well, we did a background check on you and found some things of concern. If you're in charge of hiring for your company, you know how helpful a background screening can be. That's why companies that use Horizon Background Screening make smarter hiring decisions. Don't let the wrong hire put your company at risk. Get the real story on your candidates at horizonscreening.com. Horizonscreening.com.